0: someone say it back, so I know I was in the right place. <laughs> so I'll try it again. All right. uh, definitely uh, thankful for another opportunity to be with believers, hearing the word of God. Uh, it is a a privilege that I think many times we take for granted. We come to church or we hear the word of God and we think it's just the way it's supposed to be. But there are many places in the world and around the world where It's not as easy. It's a little more challenging for someone to go and hear God's word without compromising their safety. So we are privileged to be able to come to a place and hear God's word each and every time. Um, I want to begin with, um, before I pray, I just want to begin with a reminder of 1 John 1 and 9. Which says, if you confess your known sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. We can't approach the word of God or prayer, for that matter, with unconfessed sins. So if there are unconfessed sins right now that you're holding on to, you can let it go. You can give it to God through Jesus Christ and restore fellowship. Um, With God, so that you can hear from God and so that you can speak to God, and that there's an open line of communication. I'm gonna ask that you join me in prayer. Goodbye. Oh heavenly Father, we come just thanking you, thanking you for this time that you've given us to fellowship and hear your word. We just thank you that you've allowed us to have a relationship with you by way of your Son Jesus Christ and we pray that we will take advantage of this great privilege. We pray that we will live out our faith the way you've called us to and that you will receive the glory. We pray that we'd be open to the word this morning and receptive so that our lives will change and that we will grow the way that you've called us to. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, continue to pray with me as I present God's word this morning. Um, I do want to begin by asking that um, we continue to extend prayers to um, the James family, uh, Saron James um, family, her husband, and those that are preparing for um, the service and the funeral. Um, I'm sure hearts are heavy. If you've heard about her, you had a close relationship with her, and I don't want to ignore it, um, so we just want to continue to pray for that family. and. Each other um, as we move forward. Um, that's all I'm gonna I say right now about that. Cause, yeah, um, I want to begin by um, reviewing. I always like to start off by way of review. Um, I'm. It's always comforting when I see notebooks and paper and pen, just cause that's <laughs> that's what I'm used to. Um, so please feel free and comfortable to take notes if you. If you can, um, I don't feel uncomfortable if you're writing things down that I say or anything like that because it's God. It's God's Word. Um, At times, not often, but at times, I um, present um, a variety of scriptures and definitely write those scriptures down. I want to make sure that I move a little slower today just so that you're able to jot down every scripture. Um, But I am also, um, with the approval of Emma as well, recording so that if you miss or if someone misses, we can have those uploaded and you can hear it. Um, every time I speak, I usually record um, just that I go back and take notes and it helps me to prepare. And I'm going to ask that you do the same um, thing. Uh, we began last week with some presuppositions. I assumed some things and from head nods, I, I felt like I was in the right place. Um, and so I began with eight um, presuppositions. i want to go back to those because That's always a way to start off when you're hearing the word of God. Make sure that you agree with these things before you hear from um, the speaker of the time. So I assume that we all believe that God speaks through his written word, the Bible. We agree that God reveals his word over time progressively. The Bible was written by real people, but it was inspired by God. So in other words, it's authored by God. He just used people. He hasn't stopped using people. He uses people each and every day, if you're willing, if you're open, and if you have a, a level of humility and want to serve, then he wants to use you. I want to be clear, he doesn't need to use you. God doesn't need any one of us. Uh, sometimes we feel like that. You know, we feel like we've grown to a level um, in our faith where I'm, I'm a benefit to God, you know, and we walk around with a certain air, but. That really is not true. Um, we need God. He has existed way back in eternity past before we were here, and so he doesn't need any one of us. Um when when someone says that it sounds like a like a like an ego blow, you know, like he don't need you, he don't need you either. You know? It's like what? You know, but it it is the truth. Um I had to take that mentality in my own like life and understand that. What I'm doing is great. It's for my benefit that I receive all God that has for me. He doesn't need me. Um, God's word is inerrant. It's without error. It is flawless. There is no mistake in the word of God. That's challenging at times because there's many writers. Even when you look at the gospels, the synoptic gospels, they're written by different people. So sometimes when you read it, it looks like it's saying something different. But it's all one story. It's all the redemptive story. And God is the sole author. We know not everyone agrees with the word of God. Um, We are called to agree on the truth of the word of God. We are called to agree on the truth of the word of God. Not everyone knows the truth of the word of God, so that's where disagreements come in so we all need to grow and that's really the goal of this class that's really that should be your goal when you wake up in the morning is to grow closer to him each and every day god's word has real power to change lives real power to change lives it's not the speaker it's not good deeds it's god's word that has the power so our goal today is to grow spiritually each time we come um, I presented a passage from Isaiah 28 that basically says, this is Isaiah 28 and 10, and it basically says we ought to grow line upon line, line upon line, precept on precept, precept on precept, here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little, the same way we do in school. We go to school to learn, we receive information, we take, we apply that, we receive more. That is That is an illustration of how we ought to be as Christians. That's not just something for kids. (laughs) That's an illustration of how we grow as Christians. Um, And so, I'm not gonna ask a show of hands if you actually read over the notes from last week. (laughs) I've learned not to do that. Um, I won't be offended if you did not, or if you didn't think about the service from last week. Um, But I would encourage you to Whether you want to or not, whether you want it or not, whenever, if you sit under the authority of the teaching of God's word, God is holding you responsible for it. You're being held accountable for it. Whether you apply it or not, that's up to you. We have free will, but you're you're held accountable for it. Um, God prepares the table. This is God preparing the table for us. It's his word. We eat everything that God has prepared for us so that we could apply it to our lives and grow. Um, so I am going to encourage you to read over the notes, the scripture passages, anything. If you have questions, uh, let me know. I'm, I'm very open I'm with anything that I present. Um, we are extending our lesson from last week, and we we're really trying to contrast worldly love with Godly love or worldly love with divine love. It is an extreme contrast, but so often we don't understand that. So often we think in our flesh we understand love and we understand God's love. So we move to a position where God can't speak to us regarding who he is because the scripture last week said God is love. So love is of God's essence and nature. It is the core of who he is. Everything that God does and says is from his love. Everything that God does and says is from his love. I'm going to say it one more time (laughs) so that it sticks with me. Everything that God does and says is from his love. Does God love each and every one of us? Absolutely. Will you know and experience God's love? That depends <laughs> on if you want to know him. If you want to know him. We learned that last week from First John 4 two, which we'll go back to as well. But we talked about worldly love first. It's a difference. Worldly love is sentimental. It's based on feelings. You know, feelings are temporal. Feelings change. You might feel in the mood to love somebody today. You might not feel it when you wake up in the morning, you know. You might want to be left alone. I am so thankful that God doesn't feel like that <laughs> when we wake up in the morning. You know what? With Robert, I don't feel like being bothered with him. <laughs> I'd rather be left alone, you know? I'm glad that God doesn't feel like that with us. I don't know what I would do if he did um, because I'm finding myself yearning and leaning on him each and every day. And that's not, I'm not saying that to make myself sound a certain way. I know I need him. I've realized that I need him. Because the things that go on in this brain right here, (laughs) we might not want to talk about it, but there's a lot of crazy stuff going on up here. (laughs) So we need God. I need God to control my thoughts so that I can keep my thoughts captive so that I can make sure I'm making the right decisions. Worldly love is self-satisfying. It's all about me. It may appear a certain way, like we're doing things for others, but it's really so that we feel some kind of way about ourselves. It makes us feel good when we reach out and we love someone, right? So it's self-satisfying. You might, you might hear me speak about that. You might say to yourself, well, what's wrong with that? You know, this, this doesn't sound too bad. But when I talk about God's love, it's totally different. Today when I talk about God's love, it's very different from the love that we know from our flesh and that human love that the world talks about. Remember, if the world is talking about it, we must have it wrong, right? Because how can someone that does not know God speak of love and truly know what love is? When this scripture that we read last week from 1 John 4 said, if you don't know God, you can't love. If we're not two things that it said that we had to have in order for us to love, to be in a position to love. One, we had to be born of God. And two, we had to know God. So, how can someone that just walks down the sidewalk with no relationship with God say that they love? Either they're right and the Bible's wrong, or the Bible's right and they're wrong. But you all told me that the Bible is without error and without flaw, so we're just going to agree that we get it wrong sometimes. That's in churches, that's in neighborhoods and families and communities, but we use the word very often. Worldly love is conditional. I will love you if. Right? I will be nice to you if. I will give to you if. There's an if. I'm so thankful that before I was born and made all of these bad decisions that I've made, God loved me. That's good news. He loved us before we messed up in time. God loved us when he was aware that we would mess up in time. God loved us before he knew before we knew that we would mess up in time. He loved us before that. That ought to be mind blowing to us just when you sit and think about it. When we looked at First John chapter four, John spoke during a time period where there were many false teachers around, like today. A false teacher may not be someone that's standing in front of a microphone in a church setting. A false teacher is someone that teaches something contrary to the word of God. A false teacher is someone that teaches something contrary to the word of God. Each one of us have the potential to be false teachers. When we say and do things that are contrary with God's word, I don't want to put this at a level of there are false teachers out there, I want to put this at a level of we have the potential to be false teachers when we spread information that's not true or contrary to the word of God. So what am I really saying? I'm encouraging us to draw close to God's word so we know really what it says and what it means so that we don't mislead others. There's great judgment on those that mislead others and give false information about God's word. And as I spoke of last week, I do not want to, if I could avoid God's wrath... I want to do so. Um, God has spanked me enough. All right. Uh, and the, the the funny thing about that is, I remember my spankings. Sometimes we forget. I, I remember my spankings. You know, and I don't I don't need to receive any more of those. He disciplines me where need be, but I want to make sure that if I know better, I do better. That that should be our goal. So John spoke in 1 John chapter 4 at the beginning about try the spirit by the spirit. He says if someone says they're of God, their fruit should show. There should be some things that's evident of their relationship with God. With our lives today, there should be fruit of our relationship with God. Whether you like it or not, there's fruit being produced. Whether it's divine fruit or this fleshly type of fruit that we produce. Our lives will reflect who we're serving. And if we're serving God, we will produce godly fruit. This isn't just a passage about having kids. This is a passage about our deeds and our actions and our words, the way that we live and extend love to, to God and to others. John knew what he was talking about, and he talked about what he knew, and that's all I'll do today. He said, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved, because he understood that Jesus loved him. And he had no problem saying that to others. And no problem speaking that to the other disciples. And no problem saying that every time he went somewhere. I know that God loves me. My question is, there, do you know that God loves you? You can only know that God loves you if you know God. And you're born again. That's what the scripture said. So we have to examine that in light of the scripture. I want to reread First um, John chapter 4 verses 7 through 8, because that's where we were last week, and that's where we'll continue today. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, just two passages, but there's two scriptures, but there's so much in those two scriptures that I want to open up today as we really look at that phrase, God is love. God is love. I didn't say love is God. I said God is love. Love is of God, love is from God, God is love. In First John chapter four, verse seven through eight, it says, "Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love.
1: We talked last
0: week about love being a part of God's essence, his nature, who he is. It's the core of his nature. Everything that God does and says is from his love. So over these next uh, months, I really want to take some time and, and examine that through passages of scripture. Today will be more of a survey. I'll present many different scriptures that speak to who God is. Because in order for us to comprehend his love, we have to comprehend who he is as he reveals himself through scripture. We won't know all of who God is, because he is God. And I won't stand up here and say I know all of who God is, because I'd be a liar. I'd be a liar. But as he reveals himself in Scripture, is how he commands us to know him. It's how he commands us to know him. And so I wanna really break that down over the next Months, weeks and months. Um, these lessons I've titled Perfect Love because when we looked at what the word perfect meant in Scripture, it's a word teleo that basically means a complete love. God revealed Himself to us over time, leading up to the climax, which was Jesus Christ. But the story didn't end right there with Jesus Christ. We are commanded to love one another and continue the love of God in Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus. That's the completion of his love. He gives a command, we carry it out until the very end. So we're in that phase where we're commanded to love one another as it reflects God's love and to love him. And so that's really what we're talking about. I want to begin with, today's lesson will be over attributes, things, characteristics of God. And as I talk about those, I want you to keep in mind, I'm connecting them to love. I'm connecting them to God's love. Every attribute that you hear me speak of, connected to God's love. Here are some beginning um, statements that I want to make about God's love. First of all, he does not exist apart from his love. You can't separate God and his love. They're inseparable. That might sound like that's common sense. But God's attributes and who he is is not always clear to us in the actions that we see he carries out or the things that we might read in the word of God. But I want you to know you can't separate any part of God's essence. Does that make sense? I'm hoping um, because that's going to be extremely important for us to really understand him the way that he's revealed himself in scripture. The good thing is he deals with us in love. He deals with us in love. His plan for each and every one of us is based on his love. As I'm talking about that though, I'm not speaking of a gushy, mushy feeling type of love. Not a worldly love. I want to speak of a godly or divine love. Here is the conclusion of everything. If we understand the love of God, we will have the capacity to love others. If we understand the love of God, we'll have the capacity to love. If we don't understand the love of God, we cannot love and will not love, no matter what we say and what we do. So without a good understanding of God's nature, it's very easy to confuse who God is and confuse his love with worldly love. And sometimes we, because we read the word of God and we understand that it's written by man, and there there are words and phrases in the Bible that speak to a type of personality or a type of emotion or feeling, we sometimes think that that is God. But the word of God had to be written like that so that our finite brains could come close to trying to comprehend who God is. But we won't know all of who God is until we see Him. Like Mr. Ron will say. Face to face. Right? Face to face. It will all be clear unto us. God's love is self-motivated, meaning he loves because of who he is, not because of who we are. I said God is love. That's a phrase that does not have an object. I mean, God is love because that's just who God is. That's what he does. He does not need an object to love. He is love. So why do we approach God a certain way? To incite his love or make him love us. God, because he is love, he doesn't fall in love and love didn't begin at one point with him. God's love does not need a relationship with someone. God is love. I want to stress that point so that when we approach God, or approach His throne of grace, or we pray to God, we'll pray to God the right way. God's love is unconditional. Thank God that His love is unconditional. Otherwise, where would I be today? Because I haven't earned or deserved His love. And I never will. The scripture says, Romans 5 and 8 says, while we were yet sinners. Romans 5 and 8 says, while we were yet sinners. Not while we were sinners. <laughs> while we were yet sinners. The Bible is written like that, like John 3.16 says, For God so loved. These are extreme phrases. So sometimes we look at ourselves as sinners. Or our past lives as sinners before knowing God or knowing Jesus Christ, and we say, I was a sinner. No, you were a sinner. <laughs> it's the difference between being a sinner and a sinner. All right? Um, that will open up a little more next week, but going back to God's love is infinite, it's eternal, it has no beginning, it has no end. We, the earth, the grass may fade away, God's love will not. God's love will not. So as I begin to talk about his attributes that connect to his love, hopefully we'll see those in scriptures going forward over these next week. God's love is absolute. When I looked and examined absolute versus relative, what really makes them different is relative is based on perspective. Right? Right? how you see it, so sometimes we view God's love how we see it, but we can't do that because we're dehumanizing who God is. God's love is absolute, regardless of how we see it or how we think of it, God's love is God's love. It's beyond human control, it's not limited. It's not limited. Or restricted. I want to talk about his attributes. That are connected to his essence or his nature or who he is. Attributes are characteristics of God. It's his characteristics that we could hold to in times of trouble. In times of despair. When things change. When our backs against the wall. But you can't hold on to God's characteristics and attributes. If you don't know him by way of his word. And I'm finding that many of us, when we go through situations, we don't have any of God's word to recall in our time of testing. So we fail. We fall. And Satan attacks us and we can't defend ourselves because we don't know what the word of God says. So I'm going to challenge you to recall, to, to pray that God's Spirit will help you to recall His Word when you go through situations and circumstances so that you know exactly how to speak to your situation. I'm not speaking hocus pocusy right here. I'm speaking God's Holy Spirit that will teach us His Word, but He can't break down and teach us something that we haven't accepted and taken in, right? So we got accepted and taken in and He worked with it. Um, let me just give you an overview that I, that I wrote down about God's attributes and then we'll look at them individually. God's attributes never change, nor do they separate from who he is as a whole, his essence. You can't separate them. You cannot say God does not love me because this happened to me. That would make God's whole word a lie. Not just a part of it. His whole word a lie. You could say, we don't, I don't understand what I'm going through. God helped me understand what I'm going through. But to make the statement that God does not love me is blasphemous. Because we're making God like man who changes his love based on how he feels. That's blasphemy. God is love. I want to start there before I really go into God loves because he does but he loves because of who he is and is motivated by him um, God's attributes are equal it's not like a greater attribute than the other even though, even though I said love was at the core love isn't a greater attribute than his righteousness they work together they all work together, if one is manifested, know that the other ones are there as well. we just they just might not be apparent to us in a scripture text or so. It doesn't mean like they disappeared. The hardest part of teaching that is teaching Jesus in the flesh. That's a whole nother like that's difficult for us to wrap our brains around because it it almost sounds like you probably have the question. Robert, are you saying that when Jesus, when God came in the flesh, all of his essence was there with him? And I'm saying, absolutely. Absolutely. God can't not be God. <laughs> so, he can't not be God. So if I say that some of his attributes went away, I'm saying that he wasn't God. God. I can't say that. I can't say I don't understand it all. (laughs) Even from years of hearing scripture, there's parts that I, I just, my brain can't fully wrap around. But I still have to accept what God's word says about it. In faith. So the statements that people will make is, if God loves me, this. like Why did this happen to me? Or why did God allow me to go through this situation? It's because we don't understand love. We put love on a human basis. Or we say our famous one, how could a loving God... You may have said that this week. (laughs) Right? (laughs) If we really want to be honest, you may have said that this week. I pray that if you said that it wasn't out of anger... But it was out of misunderstanding. See, God is compassionate when we come to him because we don't understand how things are working. He gets it because we're man. He's God. Not, he, not we're man, he's God. He's man, I'm not tall enough. <laughs> slim with heaven. He's, <laughs> he's God, right? Right? But that's the way it is. That's the way it is. I want to talk about his attributes. I'm, I'm going to move slower here so that you can write down the attribute as well as the scripture passages that I referred to. I'm going to read them. Um, if you like flipping through the Bible fast and you want to follow along with those, you can, but I have all of them. I can read them out loud to you um, as well. When I was growing up, um, we used to play like Bible drill of you had Bible drill in church oh i I, I was the bible drill champion <laughs> I, 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 we would we would have all of the kids would stand there and we had our Bible and we had to keep it closed, and you were ready, and I would move my leg like it was attracting me <laughs> and i would uh, they would call out scripture out over and i actually was was pretty good at it I'm not tooting my own horn i, I actually like I practiced though so. at home I was practicing call scripture out i want to get because they would give us candy if we won. <laughs> it's candy, you know. Uh, so, but I—it sometimes it's even hard because I'm used to—I don't have my physical Bible with me, and I have all these electronic devices. But I—I'm much more comfortable with the book, with the Bible. You know, I've heard people say that's not the real Bible. The real Bible is the—you know—the pages, the book. Um, and I don't necessarily, you know, I may not disagree with that. You know, I, I like having a physical copy, um, but I have some electronic ones that I, that I use as well because I try to keep it with me um, wherever um, I go. Um, here are some attributes of God. We, we're, we're talking about the, I won't say the first one, but we're talking about the one for our discussion, and that's um, love. The Bible presents... Love in scripture using a couple of words. In the Old Testament, he presents a Hebrew word to describe love. And a lot of times you see it in Scripture, loving kindness, um, throughout passages of scripture, but it's still a divine love. In the New Testament, it's a word that many uh, ministers or preachers will say um in, in the pulpit, and it's a this agape love, this divine love there. It is really a love though even though it's a divine love and it's the highest love because it's a godly love, it is, a, it is an independent love. Like I said earlier, it's a love that is not, does not need an object. But if you look at scriptures, when it talks about us loving one another, it uses this word. So then I'm puzzled with is God telling me to have a godly love for others? If you say yes, then how can I, man, flesh, have a godly love for others? One thing that I said about God's love that we have to hold on to is his love is based on who he is. So if Just to jump some lessons ahead, if you want to love someone the way God loves or the way God has commanded you to love, you love them based on who you are. Your relationship with Christ, not based on what people do or how people speak to you or how people act or someone's nice to you. So you say, "Okay, I'm going to love you if that's not a godly love that I'm speaking of. That's a fleshly love. Anybody can do that. It's loving someone. In spite of, even though, because God is commanding you to do it, period. I'm going to love you because God told me to. That is, that's a lesson that we may never really grasp because it is so difficult. Because people are evil. <laughs> people are cruel. We are evil. We are cruel. We don't treat people Right. Most of the time. That's why we're not God. But then the scripture says, be ye perfect as I'm perfect. Be holy as I'm holy. You read these scriptures and you say, that doesn't make sense. How can I do that? I'm not God. But then you read closer and he says, is God dwelling on the inside of you? Is Jesus dwelling on the inside of you? if you say no then of course give up (laughs) but if you say yes then you are commanded to love the way that God has commanded you to love and that's a love above what people do say, think, act another characteristic of God is his righteousness and I'm going to run through these as we close, his righteousness it's more than just saying he's Always right. We think we're always right. <laughs> that is not really describing who God is as it relates to His righteousness. Righteousness means absolute good. I'm using the word absolute again, meaning it's not, it's above human control. He's good regardless of how you see it. God is good. He is a God without flaw. He is flawless. He's perfect. So I use the word perfect, I use the word righteousness, I use the word flawless, these are all words that means without sin, either right or wrong, right? These words mean without sin, so when the scripture says be perfect, what is the scripture really saying? Remove sin, remove sin. Remove sin. It doesn't mean never have sinned. It means remove sin. Remove sin. Psalms 145 and 17. Psalms 145 and 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. So when I connect that with love, he loves in a righteous way. For well, his love is right. We can question it. We may not like it. His love is right. He knows how to love. He knows how to love the right way. He knows how to love the right way. In our flesh, we don't have that righteousness. However, when we come to the relationship with Jesus Christ, like Abraham did when he believed, it said that God's righteousness was credited to him. God gives us his righteousness when we follow his plan and take his way, which is Jesus Christ, who was righteousness and is righteousness in the flesh. I can't understand it <laughs> because in the flesh I'm not that, but Christ was and is Another characteristic, an attribute of God is his justice. So I'll talk more over the next couple of weeks of love as it connects with righteousness and justice. Because it's hard there. Justice means absolute fairness. God is always fair. God is always fair. Deuteronomy 10 and 17. Deuteronomy 10 and 17 says, God treats all his creatures alike without bias or partiality. That's a little hard for us, right? Because we think that God loves some people more than others. Tell the truth, right? <laughs> Even as I think about uh, Mr. Ron, I think God loved her a little bit more than me. God, man. So close with the Lord, you know. But that's not what the scripture says. That's my misunderstanding of God's word. Because Deuteronomy 10 and 17 says, He treats all his creatures alike without bias or partiality. So no, God doesn't love one more than another. It's our perspective that gets in the way. It's our perspective that gets in the way. Deuteronomy 10 and 17 says, word for word, um, I paraphrase, it says, For the Lord your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords, the great, the mighty one, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. (laughs) If you want to really go further, he doesn't take a bribe. So you can pray for God to love you more, but that's that's bribing God, and you can't do that. God is God. He doesn't make exceptions. And here's the kicker. He doesn't overlook sin. He does not overlook sin and say, it's okay. God never says that because God is righteousness. And he demands righteousness. God is the perfect standard of righteousness and justice. So God's justice condemns sin. Because of God's justice, he has to condemn sin. And then love comes back in because he doesn't want to condemn us. Right? So what did he do? What does he do is offer Jesus each and every time. Want to get right with God? Jesus. Want to establish a relationship a little better? Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say I am a way. I'm, I'm a good option. <laughs> you know? This wasn't a lottery pick. This wasn't draft picks. He said, No, I am the way. I am the only way. I am exclusive. Another characteristic of God is his sovereignty. We know that one. We call on that one, but I think that's the one that sometimes we really don't get, which comes with all our questions because when we connect it back to love, we say, God, if you are sovereign, why did you let this happen? You're in control. Why did you let something like this happen? That's because we don't get free will. (laughs) We don't understand free will. And it ties back to his justice because he's fair. And if he made you do things, he wouldn't be fair. The good thing is he's involved in everything, though. Uh, a pastor, my pastor that I grew up under, he said. So if you, he he was speaking to a a, a different congregation. So he said a lot of you know things. And he said if you want to take God with you to the to the to the bar late at night to the casino or late a bit, you know he had all these <laughs> extreme analogies. But he was basically saying God's God's there. God's another characteristic. God is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. He's here. He's at the back table. And I'm using he just as scripture would use he, you know, but we you know God is spirit. But he's here with me. He's there. He's 10 years from now. I don't get that. <laughs> right? He's 10 years from now. He's five years ago. <laughs> like, what's weird about his omnipresence is he's everywhere simultaneously like he's not here and then he, he pauses and he, he's here and then he moves back that's not how God operates God is everywhere at the same time that's mind blowing but that's another one of his characteristics that's omnipresent Psalms 139 speaks of His omnipresence. It says God is ever-present. God is everywhere. The scripture says, where can I go from your spirit? If I go to the highest of heights, you're there. If I go make my bed in the lowest of lows, you're there. I cannot escape you. That should be comforting if we're living right. (laughs) If we're not living right, that might not be comforting. Like God, leave me alone. Let me do my thing. You know that's what he said. Let me just do what I want to do. And God said, "Okay, I'm still here. <laughs> do what you want. I'm still here." <laughs> God is so controlling. You know, let me be. That's what he said. I want to be free. God is. God wants us to be free. Freedom comes through His Word. Without that, we are slave to sin. That's what the Bible speaks of, and I don't want to be a slave. Saying I don't want to be a slave, I don't like having discussions about slavery. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to be free. I want to be free, and so freedom comes through our relationship with Jesus. Uh, another characteristic is God is eternal life, and that might sound like okay, I know that, but when you think of all His attributes, they all are eternal. So love never fades never goes away because it's eternal. God always loved us and he always will. Can you say that about anybody? Do you know someone that has always loved you? And you might be sitting next to significant others, alright? So you might not want to say. But only God always loves us and always will. Psalms 90 uh, verse two says this. It says, "Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before everything and anything existed, you are God." Another, just to wrap up, another one of his characteristics is Omni uh, is omniscience. God is all knowing. This is the one that's really mind blowing because it says god is aware of everything and we use everything differently from the way god uses everything but god is aware of everything let me go a little step further god is aware of what has happened what will happen and what could have happened that did not happen that's what we don't that's what we don't have right there that's That's the part that's, like, awesome about God. He knows the possibilities. That's why he loves us so much. Because he knows our potential. (laughs) He knows what could and what would have happened if we would have just said, yes, Lord. He knows the possibilities. Psalms 139, again, says, Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know my down sitting, my up rising. You know my thoughts from afar. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what I will be thinking when I'm 75. He knows I'll be thinking slower, probably, <laughs> but confidently in God. Right? So I'm thinking slowly right now. <laughs> has nothing to do with age. Uh, uh, lastly God is omnipotent meaning he's all powerful his love is all powerful his love can break through anything God's love can break through anything there is not a sin that you can commit that God's loving all powerful love can't break through don't let anyone tell you that God can't love you because of that because God is an all powerful and an ever powerful type of God. Um, And the last few um, as I close is God is God's immutability means he doesn't change despite what we think. That's the good news because his love doesn't change. So if we make a bad decision there's discipline, there's consequences. I'm not speaking to say that there's no discipline consequences but God's love won't change. It might manifest itself in a different way. (laughs) But his love won't diminish, won't increase or decrease. I love you a little bit because you only follow me a little bit and I love you a lot because you pray every day. No, it's not how God operates. Um, and God, the last characteristic is God's veracity, which just basically means God is all truth. You told me you agree with that with the word of God. God's love is a true, is the truth. God's love is a true love. Without lie. As I close. Um, I want you to consider. When you approach God. Seeking his love. And understanding his love. Know that the characteristics that I just presented to you. Are part of his love. He loves. Truthfully. Faithfully. But his love is connected to his Righteousness he cannot do just as a stretch he cannot do what, his, what the word says that he is he lifted his word above his name <laughs> so if he said it unlike us we go back on what we say God does not um, in order for us to know his love we need to know him If if there's someone sitting here that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you can't know his love. He wants you to know his love. It doesn't mean, I'm not saying that he doesn't love you, but you can't know and experience his love without a relationship with him, without being born again. And so I'm going to ask that you join me in prayer as I close. Um, And as I close, we want to continue to pray for um, Mr. Ron's family as they're preparing uh, for the service and mourning and grieving. Everyone in here that may be feeling the exact same way. Um, Continue to pray that we meet and continue to meet and grow. um, Encourage one another to grow together. uh, And just pray that God continues to hold us um, with his word. Um, If you could bow with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come just thanking you. Thanking you for our fellowship. Thanking you for allowing us to come together and hear your word. Thanking you for who you are in spite of who we are. Thanking you for loving us unconditionally when we go astray. We leave you. You don't leave us. There may be someone that hasn't decided to follow you yet. Either to accept your free gift of Jesus Christ, who was righteousness. Or just may not have made a decision to be a follower of you or a disciple. We ask now, God, that you would touch those hearts and motivate them to make a change tomorrow is not promised we have today to draw to you we ask that everyone would take time to reflect on what was spoken of and that we would be able to display your love it's in your son jesus christ's name we pray amen